Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Sherry and I need to remember to turn our mics on. Encourage you to take uh, a Bible. This morning, we are going to look at a lot of scripture. So uh, if you can't follow along in your Bible, the main passage will be Matthew 25. That's where I really will need you to go in a little while. But uh, there'll be a lot of other scriptures. They'll be on the screen if you prefer to read them off the screen. Hey, those of you that are watching online, welcome. Glad to have you here today. Um, I said something to you at communion, but I really haven't welcomed you yet. And of course, all of you that are here in the sanctuary. Recently, I had a conversation with someone um, that was triggered by this series of messages, messages that I'm doing called Divided, The Rise of the False, and they told me this story. They said that there is someone that they know, uh, an older member of their family, and this older member of their family just talks about Jesus all the time. Uh, talks about how she loves Jesus and what Jesus means to her. Then he said, but um, she's nasty. Nasty to everyone. I mean, she treats people so badly, but then she tells, yeah, how much she loves Jesus. And what they were asking without saying so was they wondered if this family member was a real follower of Jesus Christ. Did I think that they were saved? Well, I'm not going to answer that question at the moment. I will answer it here in the next couple of minutes, but I think many, if not most of us, in fact, I watched your reactions when I mentioned about someone who says they love Jesus, but then they're nasty. I saw some of you. I didn't see elbows, but I did see some of you like you know exactly what that is like. I think many, if not most of us, know some people who their words and their actions don't seem to align. Oh, I love God, or I love Jesus, yet there is this deep nastiness about them. Well, I want to tell you this is not new. It's been going on since the earliest days of Christianity. The very first book of the New Testament that scholars believe was written and sent to other believers is a small book called the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was raised in Jesus' household. Did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. But approximately 11 to 12 years after the resurrection of Jesus, he wrote a book to Jewish Christians, people that had uh, accepted Jesus as their Messiah. And here's what he said in the 14th verse, coming up on the screen. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Again, just what this individual was talking to me about, this family member who said they loved Jesus, but didn't have actions, to follow it up. It goes on to say, can that kind of faith save anyone? That's a, that's a powerful statement that James was making. He goes on in the next few verses, let me read them. Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, 
And you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, you can, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you, even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. Verse 20, how foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Or the way many of us memorized it from the King James, the New King James says it this way, but do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. There are times that we need to be honest, especially with ourselves, about the alignment of our words and our deeds or the lack of alignment of our words and deeds. Verse 16 again says, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, I didn't attempt to answer this individual's question. In fact, I couldn't answer the individual's question about their nasty relative who says they love Jesus as to whether or not they are saved. Let me just share a little bit from my personal experience as a believer and as someone who has pastored. I've been around people long enough to know there is a great deal of brokenness in lots of folks. Life has wounded them, pushed them down again and again, and their brokenness and their woundedness is still a part of their lives. And even though they love Jesus, they are still acting out of that brokenness. And that may be what was happening to this individual. Now, I'm going to say something to you. If this may be you, you love Jesus, but it's difficult for you. There's, this, there's this, this anger and this nastiness and these type of things in you. This can never be an excuse. Your brokenness can never be an excuse for bad behavior or treating people like dirt. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the ability to be healed and transformed by the power of God. I have been. When I first found Christ, I was insecure. I was broken. I was nasty. I was critical. I was cynical. And man, could I take you down. Also, I had quite a temper. But I love Jesus. But an understanding of the transforming power of our Lord and Savior and my willingness to allow him to move upon my life began a process of transformation. Now, I'm not 100% there yet. There are days I don't feel like I'm 60% there yet. My wife would say, you're good if you're 35% there yet, Rick. But, um, but I'm not using that as an excuse. When I do still, that, that old man, that fleshly nature comes up, then I need to handle and deal with it the way Jesus would have me to, with, for, with uh, seeking forgiveness, uh, saying that I'm sorry. But please, if you love Jesus and there's brokenness, know that our Lord and Savior desires to heal you. No, it's not going to happen overnight. 
God will help you. Jesus' followers are commanded to love others, not to be nasty to them or hateful towards them. But if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and treat people badly all the time, examine yourself. Are you really in the faith? Are you showing the actions that are evidence that you have real faith? Please understand, this is the last week I'm going to be speaking on this subject, although I am going to do some video follow-ups uh, that you'll be able to see on our YouTube page. There's just so much material that I have. I want to do some five to eight to ten minute segments about some other things. I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about false prophets and false teachers and, and those, those type of things. So those are going to be on our, on our YouTube page. But the Bible is filled with passages about real faith and counterfeit faith. The passages about how Jesus is going to divide uh, those who are real believers from those who only claim to be followers. Um, why is this in the Bible? Because Jesus loves you. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance, according to Romans 2.4. Do you know that these passages about division, these passages about the counterfeit and the real, are there because of the kindness of God? Because he does not want anyone who is claiming faith in Jesus Christ to be holding on to something that is counterfeit in his kindness. He puts these passages there and he has people like me preach on them so that we can be on our guard. So that we can look into our lives to see if we really have saving faith. To look for the fruit, the good deeds or works, uh, according to James. And then if we don't find them, to repent and ask God to really save us and then to follow him with the rest of our lives. Uh, John spoke about the same thing. Actually, 1 John is one of the last of the New Testament books that was written. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation are the last books that were written. James was the first. And so this is now 50, 60 years later from the resurrection. And what does John say in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 19? If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves, proves, proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead, meaning their faith is not alive, it's dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, that's a, that's a pretty high calling, giving up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Verse 19 is very important. I'm just going to read it again. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we can be confident when we stand before God. We're all going to stand before God. In fact, our, our main passage today talks about a standing before God, because the parable is the parable of the sheep and the goats that we're going to be talking about. And in 1 John 4, verses 20 and 21, it says this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. 
Or if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Now, this relative that was being spoken about, I, 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 I hope that they pay very much attention to a verse like this. Because if they can't love people that they see, if they're nasty to people that they see, if they're, if they're hateful to people that they see, how can the love of God be in them? And maybe it is that they're broken, and I hope that God would heal them. But the Bible is very clear. If you can't love the people around you, and you claim to love God, you're a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. In your notes, and coming up on the screen, I just want to review where we've been the past two weeks. And if you haven't heard or been a part of those messages, they're available on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have links sometimes on Facebook. We do have the links on Facebook for them. But if you haven't listened to them, you may want to go back. But in the first week, I talked about the parable of the ten bridesmaids, or the, the five wise and the five foolish bridesmaids. From the five foolish ones, we learned that at the end, when the Lord returns, or when we each die, the foolish ones are false. The false did not know that they had embraced counterfeit faith. They, they thought they were going to go into the wedding banquet when Jesus returned. They didn't know they had counterfeit faith, and so number two, the false are shocked that they're locked out. The door was locked, and they couldn't get in. The false cannot do anything about their condition, and the false are eternally lost. People who have embraced a false version of Christianity, if, they, if the Lord returns or if they themselves individually die before accepting the Lord and having real faith, they will be eternally lost. That is the teaching of the scripture. And then from the parable of the wheat and the tares, we learn this, that the real and counterfeit grow up side by side. And the real and the counterfeit look the same for a long time. Then they often look the same. The real and the counterfeit differ when their fruit is revealed. The real produce good fruit. The counterfeit produce no fruit or bad fruit. And number five in this one, good fruit and bad or no fruit are the criteria used in separating the real from the counterfeit. That is the criteria that was used to separate the wheat from the tares or the weeds or the darnel. And then number six, the counterfeit can become real, and that's good news. But the real can become counterfeit. Now, I'm going I'm to park here for a second. I didn't have enough time last week to really adequately talk about how it's possible that the real can become counterfeit, how someone who has real faith can go away and, and lose that. First of all, let me tell you, it is not easy. If you have real saving faith and the Holy Spirit lives within you, that is not an easy thing because God is going to pursue you. God is going to convict you. God is going to work upon your soul. God is going to do everything possible to keep you from walking away from him. But this is my belief, and I believe it is the teaching of the Scripture. You, by free will, entered in. You, by free will, can choose to step out. And God will allow you, by free will, not to do that. Now, a majority of people whom this seems to happen to probably were not real in the faith. They faked it. They had the right words to say. But... And this is where it, it, it's really difficult for me. My heart breaks. I know or know of individuals who truly were men and women of God. And I'm going to speak specifically about ministers of the gospel 
passionately, passionately preaching the gospel, God using their ministry and anointing upon them, people coming to salvation, knowledge of Jesus, that, and I don't know the circumstances or why it happened, but they begin to drift, they begin to change, they begin to uh, embrace doctrines. I have known instances where, where, where people at one time preached the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus being the only way to God that after a period of time now have embraced that everybody's going to go to heaven somehow. God's going to make a way. That's called universalism, and that is not what the Scripture teaches. Yet at one time, they were powerful in preaching the gospel. I've also known of other individuals that began to sin and then began to live in deep immorality, justifying it as God's will for their life, and it's no problem. And they fall away. I'm sure that in all the individuals that this has happened to, the Holy Spirit worked hard. I don't know how that happens. I just know that it does. And I leave them into the hands of our Lord and Savior. But Jesus said, Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to do a short one of those video teachings on this. There are going to be some that are come, going to come to him at the end. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not... Do miracles in your name. Did we not do this in your name? Did we not do this? And Jesus is going to say, be gone from me. I don't know who you are. And they are cast out. How this all happens, again, I don't know. I am not going to be the final judge. I'm glad I don't have to be the final judge because I probably get it wrong. I say all of these things for you and I you and I, to examine our own life with the help of the Holy Spirit. Where are we? Are we in real or counterfeit? Let's go to our passage today. It's from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Very long um, portion of Scripture. This is at the end of time, at the final judgment. This is the, the setting that Jesus told this parable. And as Jesus speaks about this once again, he talks about making a division. And in this parable, he divides again by fruit. But this time he explains the kind of fruit his real followers have. So Matthew 25, we're going to start in the 31st verse. I'm going to read through, make a few comments, but when I come to the end of this, then we're going to look at four points that I have chosen from this passage. Maybe it's five. No, it's four. Here we go. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations, there could also be translated all the peoples, will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand. So for me, all the sheep would be over there. 
and on his left hand are the goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then it's very interesting, because the, the sheep on this side, Jesus or says they're the righteous ones. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty, or give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? I mean, they're, they're looking upon him and saying, I don't remember ever encountering and dealing with you. Remember, this is, this is the righteous from all times, not just the righteous of that day who actually had seen Jesus. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So he now is describing the fruit of their lives. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with me. Or excuse me, away with you. Read it correctly. Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever? Now, here's an interesting thing. They didn't say, who are you? You don't look like Buddha, or you don't look like Krishna, or whatever false gods. They call him Lord. When do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked? Or sick or in prison? Or not help you? And he will answer, I will tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. In your notes, if you picked up a note sheet, four quick points. The sheep, the ones on the right, are Jesus' followers, the righteous, and the goats are not Jesus' followers. They are the cursed ones, the false or the counterfeit. They had an understanding of who Jesus was, but that understanding never transformed into real faith. The sheep are Jesus' followers, the righteous, the goats are not Jesus' followers. They are the cursed ones, the false or the counterfeit. Number two, the criteria which Jesus uses to separate the sheep from the goats are their actions. The love they showed or didn't show to others. It was not their words, it was their actions. Remember what I said in 1 John, it talks about the actions are the things that define, that show the love of God within our hearts. The criteria which Jesus uses to separate the sheep from the goats are their actions. The love they showed or didn't show the others. Number three, the goats called Jesus Lord just like the sheep. They knew who he was. 
but did not have the actions which follow having real faith. Or we could say did not have the actions which are the evidence of real faith. Number four, no one is saved by their good deeds or their works. No one is saved by their good deeds or works. Salvation is a gift from God received by faith. Good deeds and works are the evidence of what has taken place in our hearts. No one is saved by their good deeds or by their works. You're not saved by your works. Because salvation is a gift from God received by faith. But good deeds, works, are the evidence of what has taken place in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 2, verses, through, verses 8 through 10 say this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. How was it won? It was won by the blood of Jesus on the cross. It's a gift. Have you received the gift of God? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Works follow faith. Works do not lead to salvation. And that's why it's important that we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. Our words are important. Romans says if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, confession means you agree with what the Bible says. Jesus is Lord means that he is the boss and ruler of your life. It's just not a word that you confess. Oh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. No, you're saying Jesus is Lord. He's my boss. He is the one who can tell me how I'm to lead my life. He is the one who tells me how I'm supposed to live. I bow under that. And if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And if we are saved, then there will be Please do not place your eternal destiny. Please, at home, please do not place your eternal destiny on a faith that has not changed your life, a faith that is not evidenced by the way you treat others. Do not place your eternal destiny on that type of faith. Once again, James chapter 2, verse 17, 18. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And then once again, that two verses from 1 John. If someone says, I love God, but hate a fellow believer... That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. It is possible that your heart might be convicting you right now. I prayed that the Holy Spirit... I. I as a pastor and as one who has wrestled through these verses, I want no one who is listening to these messages to have something that is counterfeit and not real. Because going to church doesn't make you a Christian. 
any more than sitting in a garage makes you an automobile. So I, I ask, is the faith that you claim to be real, real or counterfeit? And if you're concerned that it is counterfeit, will you humble yourself and admit that to God? Many years ago, I heard a, a very interesting story. This did not happen to me, but it happened to a pastor that was speaking at an event that I was at. And the church was holding what's called revival services. Now, for some of you that are younger, uh, that might not make sense to you. But this was one of those multiple-day events where an evangelist is invited in. And every night for a week or two weeks, they have these special services. They call revival services. And the church people show, and they invite the community to come. And so this had been going on. And during that process, the evangelists, evangelists have a gift. And, and very often, people come to the, uh, a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Billy Graham was an evangelist. And his services, his big crusades, were uh, revival services. Well. It's the final day of the revival, and the Spirit of God had been working all week long, and there was just a sense that God was working that night. And the service had been good, and, and the altar call had been given. Now, let me explain what an altar call is, because some of you may not have come from a background of an altar call. Well, that's where the evangelist invites people to walk forward and stand across the front, which used to have kneeling benches and is called the altar area, and they would come forward and they would pray to receive the Lord Jesus Christ to accept that free gift of salvation and uh, receive Jesus in their heart. And so the altar call was going on. Somebody was probably at the piano playing soft music. And in fact, I'm going to ask our team to come forward right now and to begin to, to uh, bring us to a conclusion of this service and to play softly. And uh, already there were a few people in front of the evangelist, and, and, and he was encouraging anybody else who wanted to come forward and receive Jesus to make their way to the front, from the very back, from the very back, one of the deacons of the church made his way down the center aisle. People glanced over and they saw this deacon and they thought he was coming forward to pray with people who were, who were forward. And that would have been a very appropriate thing to do in the church. And, and, uh, but what he did is, no, he walks forward and he puts himself at the very end of the line. Facing the evangelist. And the pastor was sitting right over here. And he, he sees this deacon and he thought, oh my goodness, I wonder what's going on in his life. Because, you know, while those folks were there for salvation, there was probably a tragedy, an illness, something that the pastor didn't know about going on in this man's life. And so the pastor said, I'll uh, let the evangelist pray for this group of people, but I'm going to go over here and, and, and pray for my deacon and find out what's going on. So the pastor gets out of his seat. He comes forward and he says, hey, brother, um, I just want to I just want to pray with you. What's going on? Why are you here? And, and the deacon says, I'm here to get saved. And the pastor looks at him and says, what do you mean? You are saved. You've, you've been a member of this church for I think 25 years. You were a member of this church before I ever came as your pastor. You've been serving on this deacon board for a few years. You're saved. And the deacon says, Pastor, no, I'm not. I've been faking it for a while now. You know, I, 
kind of made a profession a long time ago. I've been at this church forever, but, but really it, 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 it didn't change my heart. And I've, Over the past couple of years, maybe longer than that, I've really been aware that I was false. That I really hadn't given my heart to Jesus. But pastor, I've been going here for 25 years. I'm sitting on the deacon board. What would people think if I came forward to get saved? But what he said was, but tonight, I just couldn't live this way anymore. The Holy Spirit was upon me, and I just wasn't going to miss this opportunity. I need to get saved. And the pastor looked at him with deep respect to see this man who was respected in the church, humble himself and admit that he'd been faking it. So the pastor went back to his seat and the evangelist concluded the service, led those who were down front into a relationship with Jesus through prayer. And all that were there, but specifically that deacon, went that day from darkness to light, from spiritual death to spiritual life, from being lost to being saved, using last week's illustration from being a tear to being a wheat, or using this week's illustration from one who is a goat to one who is now a sheep follower our Lord Jesus Christ. I close with that story because those type of things do happen. But had that man, in his pride, remained in that condition of having a counterfeit or a false faith, and the Lord called him home, Jesus would say, I don't know you. I'm going to pray over us. Would you bow your head? Lord, I've spoken from your word. And I believe, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, for those listening to my voice today here in the sanctuary or those watching the video of this service, you know Lord, you know those who have real saving faith and those who are holding on to a counterfeit. You know that. Lord, if they desire, show them. And that's the first prayer I would encourage you to pray today, would you be willing to ask the Holy Spirit to search you, to show you the condition of your heart, the condition of your faith, whether it's genuine or counterfeit? I'm not going to have you pray out loud, but would you pray in your heart, Lord, show me the true condition of my faith the condition of my heart. 
whether I have genuine saving faith or something that would be considered a counterfeit. Lord, now I pray for those who are praying this prayer that you truly do show them because, Lord, it's out of your kindness that you have revealed this, just like it was your kindness to reveal it to that deacon. Maybe this morning your faith is genuine, but it's weak and you're drifting. You can see yourself slipping away from what you held passionately only a few months ago. What will you do about that today? It's only something that you and God would know. But if, the, if His Holy Spirit is speaking to you, showing you that the real condition of your faith is not genuine, I'm going to give you an opportunity to change that today. Or if He's talking to you about a drift in your life that you're slipping away, what will you do about that today? The team is going to begin to lead us in a, in a song a song of prayer. You may desire to sing it or you may desire to just allow others to sing it as the Holy Spirit is moving upon you. Would you just stand and follow the team and then I'm going to be back and I'm going to invite you to come and to receive Jesus this morning. Lord, I come I confess Bowing here, I find my rest without you. I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I come. Lord, I come. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my
sin runs deep, your grace is more. And where grace is found is where you are. Where you are, Lord, I am free. The grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God is here. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, if you had a counterfeit faith, you've been going to church, doing some things, but you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that you really are not a follower of Jesus, or if you have drifted or are drifting away, His grace is here. Where grace is found, that's where He are and where you are, and where you are, Lord, you'll be free. Holiness will come to your life because Christ is in you. If those who will be praying for folks this morning would ready and move spread across the front here. I want us to sing this verse once again. Where sin runs deep. Where sin runs deep Your grace is more Grace is found It's where you are And where you Where sin runs deep, where sin runs deep, your grace is more, where grace is found, is where you are, and where you are, Lord, I am free, it's holiness, is Christ in receive our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the first time, you want to return to Him, maybe you want to go from uh, 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 counterfeits to a genuine, these folks are here to pray with you this evening at home, maybe speaking or had spoken to you, because the Holy Spirit has been making you aware that what you've been calling a real faith has not been evidenced, you know it in your heart. Call us on Monday. Send us a, a text or an email. We'll get back with you. And one of the staff, the pastoral staff, will call you to pray with you, to lead you into a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. 
Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.